you doing? This is Rabbi David M. Kohn, author of We're Almost There, Living with Patience, Perseverance, and Purpose. And uh, I'm here at OU headquarters, uh, reigniting, reinitiating my, my podcast, which I hope will be a, a regular event moving forward into the new year. Today's guest on our show is an old, old friend of mine, very close friend of mine, Matthew Hiltzik. Matthew is the CEO of Hiltzik Strategies. He's an amazing uh, communications consultant, an individual of deep passion and faith, a great friend of the Jewish people, somebody who's worked with Hillary Clinton, somebody who has represented uh, Katie Couric, Glenn Beck, you name it. He has a whole array of amazing uh, clientele. And we'll hear from Matthew, uh, you know, briefly, just shortly, we'll hear from Matthew. And Matthew uh, is going to speak to us about uh, relationships and people and how important it is to build healthy, long-standing relationships and how it's always about other people. That's really something that uh, is a critical message as we stand two weeks before the high holidays, two weeks before Yom Noram. So I think it's essential that we think about the people in our lives. We know that the process of tshuva, of repentance, certainly focuses on ben adam ha-makom, between man and God, also ben adam ha-chavera, between man and our fellow man. And before we come to God, we really have to assuage the feelings of our compatriots, of our, of our friends, of our acquaintances. Now is really the time to take stock. Now is the time to call people up to uh, wish them a good year, to reconnect with them, to build uh, strong relationships. And I want to share with you this morning, this afternoon, uh, a story about a, somebody who's very special to me, who really had a very, very profound impact on my life. And that individual's name is Yaakov Gershon. Yaakov Gershon is an Israeli taxi driver. And in my book, I tell the story of my relationship with Yaakov Gershon. I th- really think it's a story of each and every one of us. And I have the great privilege of speaking this coming Saturday night, the night of uh, Slichos in the Great Neck Synagogue. And I hope to tell the story there as well. And uh, I hope it'll have the impact on people that, that I know that it, that it has when they hear the story. I was somebody who was looking for the most profound relationship. I've got to fix the phone there. Looking for the most profound relationship of life. Uh, my, my spouse, my lovely wife, who fortunately I found, but for many years I was searching and looking and was having uh, difficulty. And fortuitously, we might say uh, serendipity, but we, we as, as Jews don't believe in serendipity. I was fortunate enough to uh, meet a taxi driver in Israel named Yaakov who picked me up at the Kotel. And he looked in my face, he looked me in the eyes and he saw that I was distraught. He saw that I was upset. He saw that I was bothered. And he asked me, what's the matter? And I shared with him that I was at the time 30 years old and had not yet found a spouse. And he whisked me off to a very holy place in northern Israel, near the holy city of Tzfat, a place called Amuka, which means uh, something very deep from the depths. We say in the Psalms, that uh, we reach out to Hashem and we cry to Him from the depths. And Yaakov Gershon took me to a place of great depth, the burial place of the holy rabbi, the Tana, Yonatan ben Uzil, who Jewish lore and tradition teaches us was an individual who himself never married. And there's a great tradition that if one goes to Davin by his burial place for finding one's mate and finding one's match, 
that he will intercede uh, in the heavens on behalf of such an individual. So this taxi driver who I had met a few moments before and heard very briefly my story whisked me off to this place to pray. A three and a half hour ride happened to have been a Jewish fast day as well, which was very, very, uh, was complicated because we were, it was a long, uh, tiring day. But I want to talk a little bit about the relationship that was built. Here you have an Israeli Taimani taxi driver, not religiously observant. And you have this uh, modern Orthodox Jew comes to visit Israel and We've built an incredibly profound, meaningful relationship. It's now fast forward 13 years later. We're still regularly in touch. We share each other's uh, celebrations. We share in, uh, in smachot. And I think that's really the message of this time of year, that it's, that it's about relationships, that we all have the opportunity to make incredible impact on other people. I know that I've impacted Yaakov's life in a very positive way. You know, he picks up Americans in his taxi, but to really understand at the core who we are, our hearts, the shorish of who we are, and for me to understand more profoundly who this Israeli taxi driver is, who his wife is, who his kids are. But this is really the opportunity that the new year affords us, that every day of life affords us. We really have tremendous opportunities to interact with people and to share with them like in meaningful ways and to really make incredible difference in, in each other's lives. And that's really the message that I want to communicate this morning. And that's the message that our guest is going to communicate as well when he, uh, when he gets on the show also. So anyway, Yaakov took me to this, this very deep, dark place late at night and we arrived there almost at midnight and there was nobody there. The place was basically desolate. And I prayed to God from the depths of my heart to send me the salvation that I yearned for to help me find my, my mate. But in addition to that, I also prayed. I happened to have been at that time of my life an attorney. I was working at various Manhattan law firms at that point in time. At that juncture, I had worked for Fried Frank, Harris, Shriver, and Jacobson as a corporate attorney. I wasn't thrilled. I was looking to transition to something more spiritually fulfilling, something serving my community. And I prayed to God from the depths, a place of depth and also from the depth of my heart to be able to both be able to be redeemed and to find a spouse and also to find a new prosperous uh, career in a different, uh, in a different area. Yaakov and I then drove back from this uh, cave in the nor- in Northern Israel. And the very next night, the very next night, I was set up with my lovely wife. It was interesting. My wife is from Vienna, Austria. I really had not uh, heard of many people, many Jewish people that live in Vienna, Austria. But I was able to uh, connect with her and meet her. And many wonderful, incredibly auspicious things transpired throughout that relationship. We would call heavenly signs or divine intervention to ensure that the relationship actually uh, came to fruition and didn't... uh, didn't break off. Now, one of the things that always struck me was that uh, my taxi driver, Yaakov, encouraged me when I got to the burial place of this holy Tana in Svat, he encouraged me to make sure that I, that I negotiated with God, that I spoke to God, and I took upon myself, upon myself additional levels of religious commitment. This is what the non-religious taxi driver was telling me. And the two things that I took upon myself at that moment in the depths 
was a charitable contribution and also that I was going to give a, a class, a Torah study class. I had been working as an attorney. I'd previously been working as a rabbi. Gotten, had kind of gotten away from giving regular Torah classes. And uh, I had committed to do, you know, to, to kind of get back into the game. And I had no idea how these things were going to come, come to the fore. I had kind of pledged a significant sum of money at that time, which was beyond what I had been accustomed to giving charitably. And I said I was going to give this class, and I had no idea how these things were going to happen. And amazingly, over the course of my dating my wife, opportunities evolved for me to teach, opportunities evolved for me to give the charitable contributions. Things just kind of fell into place, fell into place. And to top it all off, amazingly, after I became engaged to my wife and I came back to Israel to share to celebrate, but also I called up Yaakov to share with him the amazing news of what had transpired, of what had begun on our trip together that, that night, which was this time of year, really right before the high holiday period. And that uh, a few months later, fast forward, I was getting engaged. I called him to share the news. And he called me back screaming with excitement, not because he was excited that I was getting married finally, which of course he was excited, but he called to tell me that I wouldn't believe what happened, that he was driving a taxi in the middle of Jerusalem. He picked up a lovely young woman with her mother, and he overheard them talking. And they were talking about how they have an engagement party and how the girl just got engaged. And he turned around, he said, he said, Mia Chatan, who is the young man that's the groom? And they shared that the groom was a, a gentleman named David Cohen from New York. And he said, David Cohen? He got all excited. He had actually picked up my my wife-to-be and my mother-in-law-to-be on the streets of Jerusalem, unbeknownst to either side of the equation. And uh, through that you know, uh, we catapult forward many years and the many events. But I, I share this, this brief anecdote just because I think in this period of the year, they were all kind of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish high holiday, uh, the new year really starts. It's two weeks from today, right? We have two weeks left till the end of the year. And we're all thinking about, you know, how can we improve? How can we change things in our lives? I think back to that time, that high holiday period when I was praying to find a wife and how desperately I was looking to find a match and how hard it was. And we all have things in our lives that are hard. We all have different things, whether it's professionally, whether it's personally. There's not a person I don't know who doesn't have some sort of challenge. Some challenges are more obvious to people. Some challenges are more hidden. But everybody struggles and everybody's looking for something new, some new pathway, some point of what we call chizuk, of strength, to be able to succeed in the new year and kind of turn the table and kind of start fresh. And the advice I'd like to give is besides the message that we always talk about, about persevering and having patience and being in it for the long haul and holding the vision and trusting the process and all the, the some would call cliches or platitudes that we often use. But I think it's really about the Ben Adam Chaver. It's really about the relationship. It's really about the impact that we can have on each other and to deepen and to strengthen our connections with our fellow man, whether it's our children, if we're fortunate enough to be blessed with them, whether it's our spouses, whether it's our parents, whether it's our friends, whether it's our acquaintances, each and every one of us has a profound amount to share and to touch. And we're going to hear from Matthew, you know, shortly about the qualities of empathy and listening genuinely listening, you know, somebody who's so successful professionally, you can't get to such a place without being able to really listen to the needs of your clients and to be able to be with, be them, be there with them, like in the foxhole, as we'll hear Matthew talk about. And this is really a message that I want to share as we 
kind of relaunch our podcasts and uh, this will be available all kind of all in tandem. But we're also uh, obviously doing the Facebook Live component as well, testing it out. We'll see how it goes. I appreciate people's feedback and here if they'd like to see the podcasts on Facebook Live also. But uh, generally speaking, I want to leave everybody with the message that we can transform ourselves if we transform each other. If we're able to be there for other people, we'll start to see tremendous blessing in our own lives as well. Because we're all one, we're all connected. There's more that binds us than divides us. And we each have tremendous gifts and opportunities. And every day is a gift and every day is a blessing. And my blessing to all of you is that you should have a wonderful new year filled with everything that your heart desires. But don't forget about other people. Just make sure that it's not just about you. Focus on others. See how you can be helpful to them. And if we do that, then everything's going to open up for us. It's going to be a big, big year. I wish everybody all the best. This is Rabbi David M. Cohn, author of the book, We're Almost There, Living with Patience, Perseverance, and Purpose. Possibility, laughter and smiles When I'm with you I'm soaring high and free When you're in my world I believe in me I look into your eyes and see that I can be stronger, I can be braver I can be, I can be anything Anything I want to be Oh, anything I want to be
dreamer, I am a hero. Everything I am, 'cause you believed, 'cause you believed in me. If you can share with us just a little bit about yourself, uh, personally, professionally, so the listeners get a better sense of who you are. Sure. Uh, I uh, I grew up in in Teaneck. Uh, went to Yavne Academy. Went to Ramaz for high school. Uh, Labor Relations School at Cornell for college. And um, lawyer, having graduated Fordham Law School, but I never practiced. But I maintain my membership in the bar because I uh, find the law to be that worthwhile. Uh, I uh, worked in politics for the Democratic Party in New York in the late 90s, uh, worked on Hillary Clinton's first Senate campaign, uh, and worked on Jewish relations specifically towards the end of that campaign. I was head of corporate communications at Miramax Films for five and a half years, uh, and I've had my own communications firm for the last uh, eight and a half years where we do uh, consulting and branding and uh, corporate communications, crisis management, and I uh, produced five documentaries, and I'm a longtime friend of yours. So. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Talk to us a little bit about when you were contemplating or thinking you know, professionally in terms of a career choice, kind of how you arrived at where you are today. I think that the, the most important thing for anybody, um, it's obviously a little more easily done early in your career uh, than once you have different family responsibilities, but it's, it's something that's important throughout is to feel that the job that you're, you're doing is, uh, it, it could be a stepping stone towards uh, just expanding your horizons from an educational perspective, from the types of people you get to work with, the knowledge uh, that you gain, uh, and to feel that you're really uh, moving forward, it, it was one of uh, I, I go to Kilat uh, Jeshurun on the Upper East Side, and and one of the uh, our rabbi Rabbi Steinmetz was speaking this weekend about how yes, happiness is certainly something that's very important on the journey, but uh, meaning is the ultimate destination. And I thought that uh, captures very well how you know how to answer your question because you want to have a job where you're happy, and and you want to have a job where there's you feel the you're feeling the benefits and recognizing them as you're living it, but it's also something where hopefully there's an opportunity to be able to to satisfy some of your other interests and needs at the same time. Where where do you find the most meaning in the work that you do? Um, I mean, a lot of the work I do is, is corporate communication, so it deals with sort of the narratives of companies. But one area I, we do a lot of is, is crisis management. And when you deal with people who are in uh, who are going through some challenging times, it's it's rewarding to help them to help see them through it, uh, and especially on the other end to see them bounce back and thrive, uh, to become either better people or to educate themselves along the way, and to see the strong response they you know they they get from people and the support they get. It's also that because I've been fortunate to work with uh, different uh, influential people over the years, I've had the opportunity to try to be an advocate for different causes that I care about uh, or be able to work you know, on those type of accounts. So I, I've been able to take some of my skills and my education and my experience and match that up with causes that I care about. Tremendous, tremendous. I'm curious a little bit in terms of perseverance, which is something that we speak about a lot, and, and vulnerability, which is, uh, you know, which is, uh, I think, a strength and not a weakness. 
uh, it certainly takes a lot of courage to go out on your own. You know, thank God today you're a very, very successful, renowned uh, person in your field and a strategist, uh, et cetera. But I'm sure, you know, you started from, from the bottom. I mean, you didn't start from the bottom up. You had a lot of experience and relationships. But ultimately, you started your own, you know, Hiltzik Strategies was started, you know, by yourself, right? It was started from the ground up. I'm curious if you'd, if you'd be willing to share with our audience a little bit just some of the thoughts or hesitations in that period when you were thinking of going out on your own and what things would look like. And when, did they look the way, you know, did you think they'd look the way they look today, et cetera? Um, I think that there's um, anybody who... Uh, is entrepreneurial in spirit has an appreciation for the potential risks that go along with it. But I think the most important thing is to take your time. I think one of the mistakes that people make um, in a lot of different aspects of business, I think it's also the same thing when it's someone who's needing to persevere and going through a challenging time. I think one of the challenges is that there's a natural instinct to want to just do something that's going to either alleviate the problem or is going to propel you forward over the very short term. And I think that one of the, that's where a lot of missteps uh, originate is, is in people trying to do too much too soon. And so the philosophy that I have when it comes to responding to people going through you know, crises is to look at the medium to long term and not look at the immediate short term. A lot of times the emotions are too strong uh, and people really, if you had done something wrong, are not really necessarily that interested in hearing from you. They, uh, you really need some time and perspective and context and substance to be able to back up that you legitimately you know, are apologizing. And, and in an entrepreneurial standpoint, to answer your question, I think that the biggest piece is to not necessarily just rush into doing it and to be able to understand the variables, understand the different uh, considerations that you need to make before you're ready to, to take that step. And uh, I think if you do that, you have a, a better chance for success. For me, I you know, went into things knowing I had uh, three or four specific clients and uh, it was something that I had a good feeling that things would work because of the confidence I had in my relationships, either with people from uh, who I'd grown up with or went to camp with, like you, um, or uh, or in people I had worked in politics with. That was a whole other world because during the 98 to 2000 cycle, it was a whole new set of people um, here in New York. And then also my time at Miramax during the last five and a half years that the Weinsteins had the company um, before starting the Weinstein company, that, uh, that was also a whole other set of relationships. And then others developed from there. Um, but I think it's it's really taking stock of what the relationships really are. And in some cases, you may have great relationships. They just may not apply to exactly what you're trying to do. What do you think the key is to building great relationships? I think it's taking the time to, to listen and understand um, other people and, and what uh, their priorities are and, and what matters to them. I think one of the things that is unfortunate and there's a tremendous amount of negativity that's totally unnecessary that originates from people interacting in a specific circumstance and not necessarily understanding the whole picture. So there's the, the unnecessary negatives that come from uh, people just reacting to someone reacting negatively to them and therefore then reciprocating with that negativity. And so there, and, and if you just took time to sort of pause and to say, hey, hold on, hey, I, you know, I understand what you're going through and to demonstrate some compassion and appreciation for the circumstances the other person's in, 
it has an extraordinarily positive impact and can totally change the dynamic and can actually create some really strong relationships. I think people are so worried about being disrespected in some way by the other person that they don't think about to what the other person is dealing with. And I think that the key to strong relationships is, you know, educating yourselves. Obviously, it's not exactly like job interview advice that goes along with it, but some of it is the same, which is that if you're going to be spending time with someone, uh, you're going to be talking to them, find out some different things about them, you know, understand the background, understand where they came from, understand where some of them, their priorities are. And I think if you do that, then you can find these common areas uh, of interest that the other things can flow from that. And that goes to having relationships uh, across, you know, people from different um, backgrounds and ethnicities and religions is that if you start with something where you are just really honest and being up, for, up front and, and I think that it leads to, I have found that that leads to, you know, very good bonding in addition to being in the foxhole with people, which certainly doesn't hurt. Right. No, it's an excellent point in terms of making ourselves vulnerable to other people and exposing our weaknesses and being with them in their periods of weakness certainly forges incredible, incredible bonds. One of the themes that, that we speak about in the book is in terms of where Omar, and I know you read the book, and I'm very appreciative that you read yeah. it and gave me your feedback. In terms of, you know, we're almost there living with patience, perseverance, and purpose is instilling and inculcating within people the reality that things don't happen overnight, like you, like you said. And I wonder, when you're counseling a client who, is in a, who he or she is in a moment of tremendous crisis, how do you enable them to see the bigger picture that they're going to get out of this immediate crisis, that there are repercussions and there's, and there's, there's a much bigger picture and life is long? How do you kind of get a client who's in crisis mode to kind of see the bigger picture? Well, I think some of it is based on uh, the credibility that I, and experience that I have that I'm able to reference other circumstances. I think others is being able to explain to them, like we had one time with uh, an athlete, and the point was not for them to be uh, was that, hey, okay, you can do this interview now and that'll make you feel good, but my goal is six months from now uh, when you're going to be starting training camp, and, and let's look at the, you know, that let's look at that dynamic and, and how far out that is. So I think that there's, you know, a lot of different, um, I think there's a lot of different ways that individuals are going to uh, look at to find success. And I think that the more you can uh, reference the successes that other people have had in either starting from a just a, a standing point or starting from a negative place and ending up in a good place, that's that certainly helps. I'd like to transition for a moment uh, to the realm of politics. Uh, you mentioned I know that you were uh, had a close relationship, uh, you know, with Hillary Clinton in terms of leading her listening tour back when she ran for the Senate here in New York. And I don't want to ask you about any particular candidate per se, but I just want to ask you in general about the the political somebody who's very astute politically and is, has a lot of relationships in the political world. What your thoughts are in terms of the political tenor of our country right now and the time we find ourselves in a critical time, really, and we just we just suffered a an apparent terrorist attack here, just on on our soil, not only in our soil but in our city. And uh, we live in, in perilous times and dangerous times throughout the world. And yet, uh, and I don't know if it's yet, but the political tenor and the climate in which we live, there seems to be so much polar, polarization and so much animosity. Just kind of curious kind of what, you, what your advice or perspective is in terms of the, the political culture in which we live and, and maybe how you'd like to see things a little bit different. I think that the – well, first, I, I – just helped on the. I just helped on the listening tour, um, but that was not my my idea. But the uh, look, I, I know from from going through the experience of of working on that race and uh, and Hillary's race in 2000, and my relationship with Mayor De Blasio and and with others. Uh, look, the reality is that 
if we leave it to politicians, we're not going to get very far in terms of uh, constructive dialogue. It's the fact that, uh, in general, media thrives on conflict and, and irony and, and controversy. And I think the reality is that people just have to be able to reach out, be able to develop relationships on their own, be able to develop, uh, be able to be willing to, to talk to others on their own. And it's very, it's really unfortunate that you have significant elements of, of our own community uh, who are not that different from what we see in other American um, groups and religions and and ethnicities, which is that people tend to retreat to immersing themselves in media and opinion and content that reinforces some of their stronger opinions, uh, as opposed to engaging with people in constructive dialogue that actually may be from a different perspective, which which actually makes you more educated and more informed. And so during my career, I've always had, I've really been proud of the fact that I have clients who are on different sides of things, that there are relationships that I have that have um, allowed me to be far more aware and educated. And I may, I may not have changed my opinion necessarily on certain things, but I'm at least a lot more informed. And I think that considering how uh, cloistered the, the Jewish community, the observant Jewish community can tend to be, on the one hand, it's great because we have a community that looks out for one another. Uh, and, and the great thing during times of need and, and times of celebration are part of what gives great character and strength to to our our people, uh, but at the same time, we have a responsibility that we have to be engaged in our communities, and we have to be active, and we have to be much more sensitive to problems that are in other communities as opposed to just shaking them off. Because we're we're citizens of 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 New York City or New York State or whatever state or, or municipality you're in, but but you know, and we're Americans, and we care about Israel, and we care about other countries in the world who are allies, and it's something that. You know, we need to be aware of these things because otherwise we're not doing a service to ourselves and we're not giving back to a country that has given so much to us. And it's really unfortunate when I see people just retreat into trying to just be hateful in their rhetoric. And certainly there's some spirited discussions on, on Facebook when I post things, which I certainly encourage and I have no problem with. And uh, I have friends of different backgrounds, and that's fine. It's just the ones who are a little bit more closed-minded and not even willing to have any dialogue whatsoever. However, that's the stuff that's a little more frustrating, and I think that leads to the polarization that you referenced. And uh, it's certainly, as I said, we are not the only community facing those issues. Right. No, it's a very, very fair points. I'd like to shift for a moment. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate, Matt, to know you and your family for a really long time, and uh, you know, you have a, a wonderful, lovely wife and beautiful children. I would wonder if you'd share with our audience just a little bit. You know, you have an incredibly busy, thriving career. How do you manage to balance, you know, family time, time with your kids, time with your spouse, and also excelling professionally? I know it's something that many of us greatly struggle with. I'm, I'm wondering if you have any insight for us. Um, well, it's always a work in progress, so I'm not going to claim to uh, be fully successful at achieving that, that goal. Uh, I think it, over time I've learned part of it is uh, just understanding how to um, – be able to uh, ensure that the people around you understand that there's certain barriers. So when I worked at different places and people understood that, you know, Friday afternoon I was going to be going home for Shabbos and, and when I had the holidays and regardless of what grief I took from, typically it was the, the people who understood least were 
very fellow Jews who are not observant <laughs> um, more like than that. non-Jews. Um, yeah. But uh, I think just using that model of understanding, like, this is it, and I am leaving, and I'm going to be home, and that's just the way it is, and having setting those boundaries early, I think people understand that. But uh, look, on a personal level, I think some of it, it things change based on how old your children are, um, based on how many of them you have. Um, right. You have more than I do. Um, and, it's, uh, and that's a challenge. I mean, I think that I've been blessed with uh, a wife who's extremely active and engaged, um, not just with uh, raising our children and being a speech therapist, but also... Uh, uh, my my wife's the president of the parents council at Ramaz and and just gives so much of her time that way and I think that each have to try to you know we've been we actually just even had a conversation last night about you know setting aside time I've been better of knowing that the phone call has to end when I get into the house and having that block of time and uh, and you know the other part of it is is um, you know trying to find other activities to be able to do with them and have that and uh, I don't think I've, I've fully succeeded but I've certainly gotten a lot better. No, that's, that's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end off with one uh, one final question. Uh, I know, knowing you as well as I do, and, and 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 our friendship being what it's been for many many years, I know you to be a deeply spiritual and and uh, and religious person. And I'm curious to hear, kind of how your your faith, and how your you know Jewish religion and your background and your and your deep rootedness in our faith has affected you. Again, you're a very high profile personality. You've dealt with many many high-profile personalities that we read about in the newspapers and in print, in the media. I'm curious just how, from a faith-based perspective, how, how you think your career would have been different if you had not been so religiously engaged, if, if, you, if you sense that there's a difference in your professional successes because of your, your, your deeply rooted religious upbringing. Yeah, I think I think um, a lot of what's important to me is that my my uh, my grandparents on both sides um, were each very active in different ways. Uh, on my mother's side of the family, my grandfather uh, and my grandmother, but they were very involved in uh, the Teenage Jewish Center back when early on when that was the central the center of, of Judaism in Teaneck. Uh, they were very involved. My grandfather helped start the Solomon Schechter in, in Bergen County. Um, there was a lot of things where constantly was education. He was a professor. Um, in uh at Ramapo College and in New Jersey he started a Holocaust studies program and he did a lot in terms of uh he had served essentially served his country uh working on the Manhattan project he was excused from working in the uh and being overseas and uh, during World War II so he could work in the Manhattan project as a polymer chemist and my grandmother's public school teacher on uh, my father's side there were different activities also and my grandparents are always very supportive of different causes in different ways um, and my parents have done that always. So to me, it's something that was always ingrained in me about the balance, and some of it was specifically about religious practice, but more of it was even just the religious obligations about how to treat people and how to be understanding of others and, and how to be a part of the community. And I think that uh, that's helped me tremendously because I've relied upon things I've learned. Uh, I'm someone who I really value the education I've received, both on a religious level as well as a secular one. I still remember things from some of the courses I took at, at Cornell about organizational behavior and other things from getting my degree there. It was much more practical right. even, education. Though, even, though, even though I didn't join you in college. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, to me it's been helpful um, because I come to the table with that perspective. It's, it's ended up being very impactful to me 
on politics. It led to my sort of second time working with, uh, you know, with Hillary and being able to know that she is, you know, has the strength and uh, and commitment to things with Israel that I know it from firsthand conversations. I know it from actions that were taken. Uh, that was certainly an advantage by the fact that I was able to be very candid with her about what I thought uh, she was not focusing on properly then and the different perspectives from people, others in the community who I didn't think really understood uh, the broader, more observant Jewish community, whether it be the Hasidic community or modern Orthodox or even the conservative community. And so, you know, to me, those things helped there. It certainly, that time with uh, working with her in 99, 2000 was very valuable in terms of my career evolution. There were things I was able to do with Harvey Weinstein at Miramax when I produced the documentary Paperclips. That was because that totally fit in with what I, all the values between public education uh, and, and dealing with people of different faiths and, and backgrounds. And so I was able to bring that in, that project in to Harvey there. And, you know, just over the years, there's been people who have, uh, you, you find a lot of closet religionists um, on, uh, of, of different faiths who have an appreciation and respect for commitment. I, I always understand that religion is very personal and the specific level of observance or something that each individual has to decide. Sure. Uh, but it's been something that has helped me. I certainly, uh, you know, even this morning I was on a call where I was, you know, bringing in Hamivin Yavin to people, yeah. which is one of my favorite things. And, and there's a few others which you know, I'll bring in from things that I've learned before, and I think that uh, it's just naturally who I am, and the people I work with have respected that, even if, you know, sometimes I get a little grief for the uh, the holidays or other things that I got from working for uh, my boss, my old boss, Mr. Weinstein, sometimes, but it was... Um, it's something which I think gave me really great perspective on the world, and I'm grateful that my parents also had me in a little league with kids from public school and and uh, and kids of all backgrounds. And I think our communities as a whole needs to make sure to do more of that. Um, we need to reach out more to the black community, the Hispanic community, and and uh, certainly the Indian Asian community. When you look at Teaneck and you look at the mayor, uh, Mohammed Hamiduddin, who's just doing his second term, he's one of the few Muslim mayors. He's an Indian American family. His father uh, had uh, had, um, had helped start one of the first mosques in Teaneck. You know, he was elected with the most votes in Teaneck from the black community and the Orthodox Jewish community. And I think when you look at people like him, he's an incredibly inspirational guy. Uh, I think he's just, he's just, I've learned a lot from his example, and I think others have too, that a lot of people who talk a big game about divisiveness, uh, all of a sudden when you actually find someone who's willing to, to take the chance and reach out, it's almost the, the entrepreneurial politician who's willing to, to take those risks. They're actually not even that risky because when people actually take the time to talk to people, you know, you end up doing a lot better. So, um, you know, hopefully the, this perspective that I have from my family is something that I've tried to, you know, integrate into into things that we do here and, and being very respectful of people of other faiths who we have working in, in my business and, and people who we work with as clients. So we've been, you know, very lucky. Tremendous. So final, final question. Are the Jets going to make it to the Super Bowl this year? Jets will make it to the playoffs this year, but uh, if they stay healthy, who knows, they can make a run. I think the... Uh, uh, I think teams like this, the Steelers may be uh, a little tough, but I'm not really that afraid of any other. I'm not, I'm not really afraid of any other team if our defensive line stays healthy. So in the AFC, other than the Steelers, you feel pretty good about. Oh, look, you always have to worry. You always have to worry about the Patriots. Yeah, they have the such Patriots? a great coach. They have a great coach. <laughs> they got a they got a great quarterback. Um, but uh, they obviously always you should assume they'll be there. But I think those are the two teams to beat.
Sounds great. Matthew, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all the great things that you do for our community and that you do in the world. And uh, as, a, as, a, as an old childhood friend, I take great pride whenever I see your name in the paper and uh, see just the tremendous impact you're having on the world in which we live. So thank you so much. I wish awesome. you and your family a wonderful new year and only the best. Likewise. So hopefully we'll celebrate good things this year. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Be well. Okay, bye. Bye-bye.